Welcome to the Han Films Podcast. My name is Matt Han, and on this podcast, I talk to a guest once a week about their own work, as well as working with Han Films. Our first guest is someone I've been working with since we were both children, Justin Ho. He and I met all the way back in Cub Scouts and have been great friends and fellow filmmakers all our lives. Without further ado, here's my interview with Justin Ho. You never told him? We were all part of this. I could have found a way. I can't just be stone cold and help fix the world. Every species on the planet fights, whether for peace, family, land, survival. 60 Han, take two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, today I have Justin Ho here with me. Thank you for joining me on my first Han Films podcast, Justin. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. It's not like I could really go anywhere right now. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, as the world already knows, we are all um, in kind of quarantine. We could technically go certain places, you know, like... Uh, uh, I'm I'm here with my family and I, I go out occasionally to, you know, the grocery store and sometimes to pick up mm-hmm. uh, food from restaurants or whatever the case. Just, you know, you just need a moment to get out sometimes. But yeah, mostly everything else is closed or kind of open for emergencies, depending on the situation. Yeah, it's a crazy time we're living in. So, yeah. <laughs> but here we are. We are yeah. making the best of it. Yeah, this is, you know, the whole let's make a podcast and talk about stuff and it'll be fun and we have plenty of time and all that jazz. Yeah. And, you know, I, I purposely picked you um, to be the first one to come on to the Han Films podcast because you are literally my oldest friend and we have worked together on multiple times throughout uh, the what, 25 plus years that we've known each other? Maybe not 25. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, let's see, we probably met about six or seven. So, so like 23, 24 years. Yeah. So, but still, that's, that's a long amount of time. And it doesn't seem like there's anything that's going to stop us from, uh, from making that a uh, solid 30 or, or more. So, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> While I know you very well, the, one or two listeners that we may have yes thank you to whoever is listening thank you very much <laughs> makes me feel like i'm somewhat significant yeah well uh, well you know you know it's honestly like wesley and i um i do another podcast mm-hmm. fixing and postcast with um my uh vfx artist wesley smoyak him and i joke all the time we've 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 recorded about 10 episodes now, and we joke in every episode that uh, we have about one or two fans listening, and one of them is probably my mom. Oh, yeah. Well, honestly, in the end, like really doing this is just great in general, just to communicate with someone and talk, since I normally, even without this pandemic going on, I usually don't talk to people, so <laughs> it's a great excuse. Right. <laughs> um, and if anything, this just, just is very helpful. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's, you know, that's the nature of the beast in, uh, in the business that, um, both of us kind of work in. We, we both edit and, uh, I mean, it's kind of taken the forefront for you as being Mm -hmm. your main job now. So being an editor, 
you're kind of in a room by yourself. I mean, 85% of the time, sometimes 95% of the time, depending on the project. So you really, you really aren't interacting with other people. So I totally get where you're coming from there. I'm glad myself to be able to do this kind of thing right now. Just, Mm -hmm. just so that I'm not sitting here just editing all day, you know? (laughs) So I'm not talking to myself and yelling at myself and all that, all that good stuff. Exactly. Running into a roadblock while you're editing and then going, okay, now I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Or just the computer being terrible. And oh, crashing. yes. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> yes. as I was saying, for the audience, tell me and them a little bit about yourself. I'm a short Asian dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in uh, the land of Bruce Springsteen also known as New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I, you know, I've been friends for such a long time. I grew up in the same town, Old Bridge, New Jersey. Uh, there is no Old Bridge that I've ever been aware of in this town, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I obviously try to make movies <laughs> and edit <laughs> things. That That's pretty much all there is. I don't I don't really do anything else. I try to write and edit and film. Tell us a little bit about how you and I met. I I know you said, obviously, we both grew up in Old Bridge, but like, tell everyone a little bit about how that that went down. I I always find it a very interesting story. Oh, yeah. The day we met. (laughs) I remember. Uh, Boy Scouts always crops up. But mm. I feel like we've met before then. It's like it's <laughs> okay. Well, that's the interesting part yeah. about being friends for so long is yeah. you kind of don't know the exact origins. Yeah. It's definitely in elementary know? school. Yeah, I don't remember what, but we used to during recess. I remember for the longest time during recess, I used to just walk around and daydream. That was mm. my thing. I would literally be by myself, <laughs> walk around, and just I'd had these episodic daydreams in my head, and I don't know and. One day you were there and then we started playing these those imaginary games and drawing comic books and Boy Scouts. Mm. I do remember drawing comics with you quite often. Like, I don't know if it was before or after we started making films together, but you know, I mean one of the one of the comics that I kind of developed uh, with you was Alien Killers on my <laughs> end anyway. Oh yeah. I drew and I came up with the story, but we were all the main, you know, the main characters. And then uh, old, old friends of ours from elementary school, Mm -hmm. uh, Jamil and... um, Oh, gosh. (laughs) What is his name blanking right now? Vincent, Vincent. Um, They both appeared in this comic. And, uh, you know, it's pretty funny even like thinking about them right now because... I have no, I haven't seen them since elementary school. I have no idea what they're even doing with their lives yeah, right I now. I, I don't know either. Yeah. I was always so impressed by your comics. <laughs> they were so impressive. <laughs> I would try to have like these blobby people <laughs> that you couldn't even tell were people. <laughs> I always remember you and I would go back and forth like, oh, oh yeah. Yes, so what I can draw people, but you, you're great at landscapes and drawing buildings and and all that kind of stuff. And I still, to this day, I still believe that because, you, you know, I I almost wish like myself, I I focus more on drawing than than making films because it's in it's a creative work that you can do on your own. You know, you can create a world in your head and then put it on paper or now put That's, it um... on. 
future that's and true. that's it and it's and it's your world and you can self-publish these days like there's so many outlets to be able to make those things whereas films you know it's a collaborative process and you have to do it with people whether you like it or not and it's uh it, it's tough and expensive so oh, yeah i mean you could do film on your own but that's not saying it's going to be very good <laughs> which we do so. yeah. i think that's i think that's a lot of people's stories uh with with their oldest and best friends because it's just you've been you've known each other for so long i mean sometimes you don't even remember anything from those those times when you were young so but yeah. uh but yeah i'm i'm, I'm right on board with you so it, it, it's some something like it that it just happened it just happened <laughs> yeah, you know exactly it was fate <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to become a filmmaker ah this question that i constantly question myself as well <laughs> so questionable as to why i decided to continue with this or why anybody allowed me to continue with this <laughs> continuing with it is definitely one thing but i'm more curious about and, and i don't even know if we've really discussed this that much i i, I can say a few things myself that i mm -hmm. think but uh but i want to know like what started this what was yeah. like what did you see what did you watch mm -hmm. what what did you experience that you were like oh my god yeah. i want to do this you know it feels weird even calling myself a filmmaker i don't even feel like i've earned it <laughs> yeah but um, i hear you <laughs> but as i said earlier i used to daydream a lot <laughs> so i was always a loner weirdo limpy small random asian kid <laughs> And I mean that hasn't changed much. No, it hasn't. It has not. Unfortunately, <laughs> you're just more. You're just way more intelligent than you were when you were six. I wouldn't. I don't think so, honestly. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't think I've gained intelligence. So yeah, I used to daydream a lot. So I mean, I was always in my own world, making these cinematic experiences. <laughs> I'd have episodes in my head, like what daydream episode do I want to continue now? So there was that, and I was always quiet and afraid to talk to people loner and whatnot i think subconsciously at the time i didn't realize it but it really was a way of expressing myself which is what art is in general <laughs> but as a kid it was it started out as something fun it was i don't i'm not sure i mean there's i was always into movies i mean a lot of people are anyways they're fun escapism but um, my dad really let me watch these you know, awesome films like close encounters and alien and aliens why would you show a kid it's like five years old alien <laughs> but... hey man I, I now that i'm a dad i i struggle with the decision of like when do i show my kids certain movies like well, scarface is one of my favorite films right. so what's well, of those you know. things where like even though these films are rated r and gory and bloody or whatever mm -hmm. i did not turn out to be a massive murderer or anything like that if anything no it's just still remained as much of a creeper loner introvert as i ever was <laughs> even more so now considering what's going on but yeah. it was uh but it was like watching those great things and really uh sparking the imagination and wanting to create my own narratives around these big fantastic experiences uh, that's where when we played our imaginary games like childhood is so full of creation and storytelling it's, it's what it is when we're kids and we're just playing these games with each other and we get older and we lose that because we don't really it's weird when you see an adult running around making shooting noises and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and making their own score out loud but um well, I guess, you know, that's that's why filmmaking is so appealing to a lot of people, because it's being able to 
uh, use those skills you developed when you were a child and implement them into your actual work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, evolution. Yeah. And that's, that's what it happened. Like when I, when I decided to pick up a camera for the first time, I was bored with my sister and I think to myself, let's make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how old were you? You think when that, this when that was, I, I have it. I, I found it recently too. The first film ever was 11, 2001. Wow. So wow. I know you're making films before that. Cause I remember it. anyways, but <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I was, uh, but it was really, I mean, my dad, he had always had a camera. So, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I would make movies and he kind of was the one leading the way, but I was also kind of directing as a child, but, but yeah, I mean, so I guess I was making movies before that, but really I didn't start doing it on my own until I got my own camera, mm-hmm. which was probably around the same time as you. I, I don't know the exact well, date. It was, you know, it was but... a family camcorder. It was, it was that one of those eight millimeter cassette tapes. So oh, I could yes. say I started on eight millimeter, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> not film, <laughs> uh, but it was back then, at least. It, I mean, the whole idea of starting at film, I remember, was I wanted to do that effect where you have an object and then you record it and you cut and you take the object away and record again. It looks like it disappeared. I knew, mm. I knew how that would, I knew how that worked because uh, I was just so <laughs> intrigued by, uh, you know, watching movies and like Titanic, for instance, was such a big influence. We'll get to that later. But <laughs> uh, I knew how that worked. I just wanted to film a movie. I just want to film that effect. Right. So I devised this narrative around it. What? How could I create a narrative around this one disappearing effect? It was. I really loved Honey, I Shrunk the Kids when I was younger. I was oh, like, me too. Was, oh, James Horner scored that too. It was so good. But um, <laughs> So I figured yes. I'll make a, a film where my sister invents a shrink machine. <laughs> I have this old telescope, broken telescope. So we use that as a shrink machine and a laser pointer. <laughs> and i did the effect and i remember first seeing that effect it was this feeling of magic like i i just made magic i just did magic <laughs> right here and it was it's really i would have posted online at some point because i've been posting my old stuff online yeah and it was it was magical it, it we were playing a game we we're playing a game and recording it and watching it back yeah. again and it was just that yeah. sense of almost time travel in a, in a way of being able to see that but also control what you see there's like this form of control that you can't have in real life and as a kid it just felt so liberating to be able to choose what you want to present to people craft it in whatever way you want even though i had no clue to edit things back then everything was done in camera (laughs) if we messed (laughs) up you had to rewind the tape and record over what you messed up and hopefully it doesn't look terrible (laughs) nice (laughs) and 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 it was so exciting showing it to the parents which is of course I think all of our first audience <laughs> yeah. uh, seeing their reaction. I remember when they saw the thing disappear, I was like, Oh my goodness. How'd you do that? <laughs> and I felt so cool. Just, yeah. yeah. I, I know special effects. Right? <laughs> but... So, so it, it's interesting that you were doing that, you know, um, pretty much from the get go. I do, I, I do love that. You know, I mean, we all try to work within our limitations, even now as indie filmmakers, if you want to call us that, um, because we have so many, you know, we don't have the budgets to make big blockbusters. So we have to work within limitations. So you kind of like forced the limitation on you. You wanted to make a movie based around this effect that you kind of knew how to do. So I think that's pretty cool. 
But another thing that I find interesting is um, this is, you know, this is somewhat in camera, but also an editing technique. So clearly I'm going to, I'm going to jump a question ahead here, but clearly editing was a huge thing that uh, you found interesting um, even early on. Um, So what, like, uh, why did you take an interest in editing so quickly? I guess it's true saying that that's that's editing in camera. Um, Right. Honestly, when I was a kid, I had no idea what editing was. I, I remember mm. just being, I remember one specific moment uh, I was, because I was always into scores, actually. <laughs> but, uh, like, where I didn't even know if they scored a film before the film or after the film. And I, was, I remember watching right. The Land Before Time, another James Horner score. And <laughs> I was sick to it, a fever. Not the Corona, because this was back in the day. <laughs> I had a regular fever. <laughs> <laughs> and I was home from school watching The Land Before Time. I remember specifically wanting to watch it to figure out. And I was thinking while watching it, so did they score the, um, did they make the music after the film? Or did they do it before and edit the film to the music? So I guess there was a sense of editing. I guess I was aware of editing, but I, I had no idea how it worked. Right. Um, as a kid, all those early childhood films, I don't know if I could even say I was aware of editing mm-hmm. any of them, honestly. Do you know your your um, earliest memory of like, oh, so that's editing and that's interesting. I, I, I kind of want to do that. It's weird because as a kid, when, when it came to filmmaking, it just encompassed everything. I didn't mm-hmm. know about specifics. I didn't know that there was editing, cinematography, directing, writing, yeah, you know, and all the other departments that are involved it was just make a movie it was just make a movie. no matter so. no matter what you had to do <laughs> yeah. it was gonna be making putting something yeah. together from start to finish with with right right so i never yeah. thought about i want to do editing or i want to do cinematography that didn't happen to college which we'll get to later obviously gotcha. <laughs> but i never really uh, that question never came into my head because I, huh. I just had no like, concept of, it was it was still magic when i watched movies wondering how they i mean i knew they edited it but yeah. um, I didn't know how that worked. It was gotcha. it's like trying to understand the fifth dimension when you live in a four dimensional <laughs> experience or whatever. <laughs> you made a lot of movies when you were a kid. So after two thousand one, you made this movie with your sister. Then it just opened the floodgates. I'm assuming. Um, you know, I saw uh, recently you've been posting all of your childhood films online, which I think is really cool. Well, I mean, you know, I've been stuck inside for months and <laughs> all my childhood films are here. So I'm going to digitize you go. them. <laughs> I'll tell you, um, as I've, as I've watched you post more and more, I've become very excited myself, a little impatiently excited, but, um, you and I have made a lot of movies together as well. And I'm always curious what other movies we made on your end, because, you know, uh, there were films that you directed. And when we say directed, you literally did everything like you're saying, because to make a movie, you have to do everything Mm -hmm. and then there and then there's on my side where i did everything and made the movie myself so obviously i know what movies that entailed on my end but i i'd love to hear more about like is there some movies i might have forgotten about or just the movies in general that you and i um may have made together back in the day that you were at the helm of right right um it's intriguing because a lot of the times I was working with you on your films, which was so much fun. So right. when, I, when I when I try to think about any of the stuff that I personally did together, uh, when, when when I initially think about it, I think about like all these things, but then I realize it was all yours. <laughs> um, <laughs> there really wasn't as much, but one of the earliest 
of, I guess, our collaborations on one of my things was that uh, that film I made for media studies class. It was called Back in 2001 because the assignment was to pick a year and talk about that year in a video format or, or an essay. But of course, you know, I, I made a video. I don't think I had this class. I took the class because everyone wanted uh, t- the TV studio, obviously. Right. <laughs> and they were saying, if you take media studies, you'll instantly get into the TV studio. So I took uh- media studies and ironically, I did not get into TV studio and I was so angry. I wrote a letter and anyways, <laughs> that's, that's digressing. But no, I didn't uh, know any of that. That's how I got into advanced TV studios way before I was supposed to. Um, huh. They screwed up. But that's totally digressing. The first <laughs> film <laughs> I could think of was was that film back in 2001, which was actually the last film that I edited on the MacGyver 2 VCR setup. <laughs> um, nice. And for you know, for uh, for the audience that doesn't exactly know how that works, just just give us a little rundown about. Right, like, well, first of all, you're the one that taught me how to do that. <laughs> wow, really? Yes. I didn't even know that. Yes. Wow. Because yeah. obviously, before then, I was still doing everything in camera. Okay. And actually, prior to you telling me how you utilize it, I, I, I actually I did know that you know I used to record movies on the TV. Uh, we all did, so I knew that concept, yeah. and I think it. it it entered my head that I could edit that way. But what you brought to it was um, adding the music. Because back in the day, whenever I had to add music to my films, my big, huge VHS camera that I used, that my parents actually used to film me when I was a baby. <laughs> so I, I had this That's function. Cool. It had this function that I let you dub sound over the footage. Mm, oh, I remember doing that. Yeah. But in, the issue in camera was, dubbing. Yeah, but the issue was it would totally erase the sound that was, you know, recorded. So oh, you could I, only... I don't remember that. Well, this okay. was at least with the camera that I was using, the big yeah, yeah. VHS thing. But so I would have to, you know, know while I'm shooting a film like this part, I'm gonna dub music over. So I'll I'll talk to the my sister mostly <laughs> and tell her how to move around and stuff and what to do because i knew the the but you know i'd always want obviously an actual background score you know while we could hear dialogue (laughs) (laughs) um and what you brought to me with the double vcr setup was you would hook up a cd player because you know it was the what's the component cables the the red Right yep, away, yep. this is back in the day before HDMI when everything oh, was course. analog. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, I don't know who's going to be listening, who knows these things. <laughs> we used to have these three cables that came out of the, the VCR. One was yellow, that was video, and two were, were white and red, and they were both your stereo channel. Like, I think they were both mono and you put them together with stereo. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Right? So, you know, when I was a kid, I did do the two VCR setup to edit stuff, but I didn't know how to add music in the background until you told me about your you had like the cd cable going into one of the audio so you technically have like one you get rid of stereo from for the audio track of the dialogue and have like two monos so one would be the dialogue and one would be whatever music you're playing into it and right. while i was editing uh, i'd have to like time it and then know what track on the cd and of course i would use you know James Horner scores or John Williams. We don't do this. <laughs> yep. Hans Titanic over and over oh, again. I, oh my goodness. I'm watching all these old films I did. It's just Titanic with every single one. It's a, it doesn't even match, but I just loved it so much. Yep. <laughs> but, 
There is that in Apollo 13, too. I was obsessed with the Apollo 13 score. Interesting. <laughs> See, uh, for me, um, I, I started to become obsessed with Don Davis's score from The Matrix. Oh, oh yes, so, that too. Yeah. Ironically, <laughs> I never owned that score. <laughs> really? Yeah. <gasps> How did you get it? There's this thing called LimeWire. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Wow, that's that's interesting, dude. Because I I honestly didn't realize that I was the one that uh that introduced that to you. Like, obviously, I knew we were both doing it, but again, yeah, these yeah. are like that are just out of out of my head. But it's funny that you bring up that uh, the whole CD player thing because uh, now that you mention it, I remember doing that, and uh, yeah, it, same thing. It was like you're so it's so difficult. It, it really it makes you think. Yeah. It makes you think more. I think. <laughs> help with patience now when my computer crashes or computer stops working <laughs> because it's suddenly you know back in the day i mean you had to make sure you knew where your cuts were and yeah. it was so janky it was so macgyvered and i would have to like know when to <laughs> take the cable out it was almost like you're you're an operator <laughs> a uh. telephone operator just removing cables but doing it perfectly in time so it'll work out <laughs> and if you screw up you have to do it all over again yeah yeah <laughs> oh gosh but anyways back to that first film that i think we both worked on together i i guess was mines in a way <laughs> um that was the last time i did that setup because i remember it had voiceover and that was the first film ever i did with voiceover and you were the narrator because it was filming what yeah it was filming one of my friends it was like my friend going through the year 2001 and it just goes throughout the entire year and you're kind of the voiceover oh, of his man, character talking about that. what happened so i recorded you just reading all the things <laughs> That was the 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 film you made where like uh, he goes to the Harry Potter premiere and yeah. he has the book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember that now that you mention it, but I I don't remember doing voiceover. Oh, okay. So now I'm really excited. So I I hope you post that. Uh, oh, it'll days. it'll be posted soon. I'm trying to go in chronological order, but I okay. kind of think I've gotcha. given up at this point. <laughs> it's totally well, especially not. since you just found the the oldest one you made, and obviously that hasn't gone. Oh up yeah, yet, I'm so. saving that. I don't know when. Uh, I don't know when. Okay, uh, that's okay. that one's special to me. Because yeah, when I I, watching that, when I finally found it, I was so surprised at the techniques I knew how to do. Obviously, there's a disappearing thing. <laughs> Yeah. But there are other things like I knew how to I knew to do that and that and then I realized while watching the rest of my old childhood films how I literally digressed and like forgot everything because they're all just much <laughs> worse and terrible. Right, right. <laughs> but um but anyway, that was our first thing um with with you in a way. And I remember because you were already onto editing on the computer, not linearly. I, I just I was just so enamored by your computer editing skills. So I remember <laughs> you were sitting in my room. And you were telling me, giving me suggestions on how I could do this because you were so used to doing the two VCR stuff. It's like I already knew what um what to do, but it was just like this friendly reminder of of you know someone who who to me was way more experienced um, with with doing this stuff uh, to which helped in a, in a way uh, when I was putting it all together. And it's, it's, it's obviously terrible. <laughs> <But> <laughs> not that your voiceover was terrible. Everyone was actually commenting on how much they liked your voiceover, I remember. Oh, man, that voiceover was so good. <laughs> well, it is something that I've always wanted to do. I guess that's that's another reason why I started taking up podcasting, because, uh, you know, I get to listen to my voice and 
<laughs> With a beautiful microphone, you can be anybody you want to be. One man, one voice, Matt Hahn. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you uh but that's awesome dude i i, I didn't remember that until you you brought it back oh, up man. to me because you know what and uh and this bleeds right into um i'm sure uh you're going to talk about it but uh i always mixed this up with stirring of a consciousness mm-hmm. which was another film you made with i'm pretty sure the same kid um right he was with- in the flashbacks which yes. means both films are connected. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize. <laughs> the JHU. I, I do have that's my the, own. That's cinematic. the Justin Ho yeah, universe. I have my own. I mean, I actually, I've been trying, but it's not like not as obvious. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know that I've always been interested in doing that too. Oh yeah. And and you know, I didn't get to the film industry as quick as I would have liked to, and uh, and unfortunately now cinematic universes are like a big thing. But I'm pretty sure like I wanted to do it before it was a big thing. Oh totally, you were all about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, starting up a consciousness. That was the second thing that I did after learning how to edit on the computer. This first was this music video thing which like, i think we'll get to later but um <laughs> but that was this yeah because first was the music that was the first time remember mr reed which we'll talk about soon <laughs> uh, right. our tv studio teacher he had an assignment to uh to do a music video but i was i had so much anxiety about it because i didn't know it i've never edited it on a computer before and luckily i had premiere at home uh, as well i don't know why i think <laughs> my uncle gave it to me or something but i never cool. knew how to use it because i what never... uh, what iteration of premiere was Gosh, it i don't know. just for time's sake so i don't know we, at uh... all all i know is when you open it up there was an image of a horse and a okay badass looking horse running and I was like, <laughs> yeah this is legit it's a horse well, <laughs> well i want I, I i do want to mention one thing though and i remember this from high school very specifically so where you're saying you know like uh you felt that i was i was ahead of you in editing at least at this time i was using a program which i remember it uh you led movie oh, movie studio oh, yeah. i think yes, yes and um and there were so many issues with it. And I think it was more like hardware issues. Like mm-hmm. every time I'd export, there would be like hiccups in the audio and I would yes. never be able to like the export. The frame like, rate would be like yep. 20 frames or something. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just horrendous. And, and, and then burning it to a DVD just screwed it up even further. But anyway, so um, I remember that editing software uh, quite well. But you so like obviously the explanation comes comes finally but uh you you had premiere and you were using premiere i guess before tv production or around the same time you started you tv production that was the first time it was for that project cause, oh okay because like like when i said earlier i was put into the advanced tv class way before it should have been because they screwed it up um so i was in there with all these older students gotcha so with, you know this short you know wimpy asian kid and <laughs> you know stuck in this class of these older kids that was very scared and I was thinking like I gotta prove myself <laughs> but I, I was realizing all these kids have edited on the computer and I'm still on my janky two VCR setup so I, it I sounds I, like the perfect underdog story <laughs> right, why haven't sure. why haven't we made a movie like that kind of no like <laughs> kind of like whiplash but with with an editor oh at, at the beginning oh also I think the main reason why I was able to finally start editing on the computers and stuff was because I had access to the TV studio cameras in high school, right? And and with mini DV, I did have mini DV cameras prior, but I didn't have the cable for them. Um, 
but I, I was able to steal the cable from the school <laughs> and <gasps> not steal. I borrowed. <laughs> right. So I remember I shot the music video thing in my head thinking to myself, I'll be able to edit this like a normal filmmaker should be able to edit it. Also watching you edit. I remember I would, I'd go over to your apartment and just sit there and watch you edit. And I'd just be so enamored by it. And it's like, this is magic. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm just watching you moving blocks around and putting more blocks on top of other blocks and stuff. Like, I don't. This is Tetris, but you know. It's... I kind of want to go and find that program again and and see how it is. Like, see how different it is from oh, yeah. from what we're using today. I'm intrigued too. It, it was similar enough where I had an idea. So, so I guess I got, yeah, of course, I had an idea. So when and and obviously prior to that, you know, when we made our films, you know, I was aware of us doing multiple takes and all this and that. So I was always aware of the process of filming something, knowing you're going to edit it all. <laughs> so yeah. that was that music video was the first thing that I made with that knowledge. And, and it was so relieving. It, it, it was, it was as if, you know, being stuck in a cave the entire time and suddenly someone busted a hole in the ceiling and I've seen this light <laughs> crawling out. It's like, Oh my gosh, look at all this land. I could do anything. <laughs> And uh, it was such a big, and when I brought the camera into the computer and I captured, because I would watch kids in the TV studio capturing, um, and I started editing, I didn't know, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just dropping blocks into the timeline. I didn't know how to cut. So I was just trimming everything and sliding everything over and mm. using the roll tool or whatever it was. That's how I was doing it the first time I was editing because I didn't know what cutting was. And, and the big deal for me was using the uh, dissolves. Because you were never able to do that. I was never able to do that with the two VCR setup. And I always wanted right. to do it. The slow dissolves. <laughs> so I had so many slow dissolves over everything. Anyways, so that that just blew my mind. That, I think that was the changing point for me. That was when it was no longer something for fun. It was just something that I started taking more seriously <laughs> at that point. Because yeah. suddenly, yeah. you know, I, I, I was out of the cave. You know, it was like seeing the shadows the entire time. And then I finally saw it made the shadows. And it was like, oh, you wouldn't believe. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> but anyways, but obviously from that, after that, I made Stirring of a Consciousness, which was the um, the first. I mean, that music video was kind of a narrative. Uh, but I mean, there everything was in general, even my shitty childhood films. <laughs> but the first like edited taken super seriously sort of narrative um but uh that so that was just more more knowing what i did in the music video and experimenting even further with editing and that's when i started doing the non-linear cutting back and forth in time which is where we had the flashbacks (laughs) um and i was into loft so i had like the loft sound effect of whenever they go to a flashback it'd be that (laughs) i i wrote so anyways i by writing it's like me writing stuff on you know in a notebook and calling it a script when most mm. of it was just you're gonna say this and you're gonna say <laughs> this okay and then you're gonna say this uh, but hey man it was better it was better than me telling telling like the four of you like you matt larue james provinciali Actually, I guess that's it because I'm the fourth one. All our I, old like, high school friends, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just literally going, okay, so you're going to say this in this scene, like instead of even just writing anything down. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, no, that was the majority of stirring. The, con- the majority was like that. I wrote one scene. Yeah, wrote, I guess. It was the argument scene with all the F words. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Where, just taking all your anger out on paper, Justin. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, the whole premise of the film was you and Jonathan Whitehouse both stole things from other kids in high school and you would sell them. Right. And that was the whole thing. And, you know, Jonathan develops a conscience. He's like, I can't do this. This is wrong. And the breaking point was when he stole from the handicapped kid in the wheelchair. Yes, and, I uh, remember. Yeah, he was he was <laughs> awesome. Um, and that was it. And then there's that big argument. and On the bridge. Yeah, and there was also the other scene where you stole from a church. Because I remember <laughs> we went to the church and filmed there. And we left the freaking container, our prop, which was this container full of change. We went back to my house to film another scene with you counting it. And we left it there. And Wow, I don't remember that. because yes, I was freaking out. My mom had to go back to get it. Um, and, and all the stuff was still there, surprisingly. <laughs> but, um, and we had that scene in, in my... In a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we had the whole scene in my bedroom where you're counting coins and i remember i was trying to be all artsy so i was filming in between the stack yeah. of coins and i was like i remember yeah, this is so cool look at this and everybody <laughs> in tv class and everyone was watching it they were all complimenting it and i was like yeah i'm so badass i i i, I filmed between coins so stupid but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but actually we had like a multi-camera setup for that scene i remember we had really i don't remember that either camera uh my camera and the school's camera <laughs> Wow. So we, we recorded all the anyways. But um yeah, and you you were like the antagonist in the film, I guess, because uh, you wanted to steal stuff because you wanted to get high because Jonathan Whitehouse <laughs> I'm spoiling the entire movie, but um <laughs> but uh yeah, and there's that big argument scene after you stole from the handicapped kid and and it led and there's obviously flashbacks in between right. all of this with you as kids stealing stuff or whatever. Uh but um, there was a big fight, climactic, the climax, a third act climactic fight scene in <laughs> the smallest room in my house with both oh, you and yeah. Jonathan. I was just, just beating the shit out of each other. And I was really into 24 at this time. Oh, <laughs> I remember awesome. 24, the TV yeah, yeah. show. I, I, think, I think even in that music video you made, you did all those like 24-esque transitions. Or maybe that was a different video later that on. That was a different video. I don't think I watched 24 during the music video. Okay, gotcha. But I was so into 24 and in the the Bourne movies and, and just, just mm. anything handheld, honestly, I was just in love with. Uh, and we that the entire film stirring was mostly handheld. But the fight scene was just to the point where it just became nauseating. Because <laughs> I remember, because I was, I was like doing all the zooms and all the shaky cams. And when I was showing it to people, they were, they were just saying, like, I don't understand what's going on. I, just, I don't get it. What? What what's happening? And that was a learning experience. I remember we, we tried to add comedy. We had Jonathan Whitehouse kick you in the balls, and you go, "Oh, son of a bitch, my balls!" Yeah. Uh, that was like the movie's catchphrase. Oh at yeah, that point. totally. During of a consciousness, son of a bitch, my balls. <laughs> Two scenes prior, when Jonathan Whitehouse calls you out for stealing <laughs> to get money to for drugs, um, you say something like, "Suck my balls." <laughs> so anyway all, all improvised everyone yes, thank you yes, thank you yes, very much so um that was that was a lot of fun that um yeah that film and doing that and for sure honestly besides that there's one other film in high school that i guess of mines that you were in and i didn't even use any of the footage for it um it was i don't even remember i was doing that feature memories in high school yeah 
and like, the cast like changed halfway through because people just weren't coming to film uh, mm. which happens you know you ask your friend and they're all yeah let's do this and the day comes shows up and they have some excuse that they just don't show up but yeah well i do remember um i i do recall you filming that and i recall it being very late into our senior year when you were kind of finishing it up yeah and um and i i even think that it went into the summer oh yeah so uh yeah. so fortunately you know i mean all our lives were changing oh, totally. no it wasn't your fault that that no, no, <laughs> I'm just, change I'm... it was someone else <laughs> but, oh, but it caused a lot of things and they had to reshoot scenes um but originally you were in it you played you played kind of yourself. You played because the movie. Oh gosh, yeah, I remember. This is so ridiculous. I was trying to be all meta. I was like, "Ooh, I want to do this movie where it's about people, these high school students making a movie, and <laughs> and it's going to be like three different stories going on." Because I was all into like multi narrative stuff. Because I think I saw Babel. I love, mm. I love that movie, and I want to do these different time periods. So we have this one character. We see him in the past and his, his childhood, and it's all like these warm colors, and it's like colorful and he looks like his sister and we have like this other section of his past where it's all green and it's when he's doing drugs and <laughs> we have the present day but it's black and white because all the all the good stuff's torn away so it's like so it would cut back and forth between all these different um time periods with these different cinematic um color tones whatever mm. and anyways and, and you were you were supposed to be in the present day black and white one with playing a character making a movie in the movie <laughs> and um unfortunately because of you know people not doing it anymore and stuff i changed everything and recast and stuff and all that and, you know how it how it happens and no one's even seen the film anyways <laughs> i mean a, a select few have i think you may have i don't know yeah uh i i don't know if i've seen the whole thing but i definitely have seen parts of it plus it's, you you posted trailers and stuff like it's that gonna, it's gonna it's gonna be online soon okay since i'm doing the childhood film posters yes obviously a big influence on both of us during high school when we finally started to like hone in on yeah this is this is what we want to do with our lives Mm -hmm. you know i i would say i would say for for me and i think you could agree high school was probably the greatest time for us creatively because we had those limitations that i was speaking about earlier we had none like this was like, let's just make movies. It doesn't right. matter how shitty they are or yeah. what they look like. We just are gonna make them, this and it's so true. much yeah. fun. And all our friends want to be a part of it, somewhat, <laughs> somewhat. Sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. But um, I think I think a really big uh, help with that was uh, I, I mean, two people. I, I find uh, Mr. Reed, our TV production mm-hmm. teacher, and then um, and then Mark Nistico, who came in mm-hmm. to uh, cover for Miss uh, for Mr. Oh, Reed yeah. when he was when he was out sick or something like that. But but both of them influenced mm-hmm. us in different ways. I think you, um, Mr. Reed, took you under his wing a little more than me, whereas Mark Nistico kind of took me under mm-hmm. his wing more than you. Yeah. But I think both of them together kind of helped shape us into uh who we were at that time and helped us get to where we wanted to go for college mr reed he he, he's such he was awesome i mean we didn't have a film production class in high school uh we had film studies but not a film production class there was tv studio um and that was you know mr reed taught so i utilized that as a production class (laughs) and which he was so cool. And yeah, he just for. let he, you do anything. He just yeah. It didn't. He would give these assignments, 
uh, these, like the music video one, for instance, you know, it was a, an assignment to just shoot a music video. And I did a short silent film. <laughs> and the next one after the music video, which I'm surprised even, I remember when I visited him, I think last year to catch up, asking him, like, I'm surprised even suggested this as a project, but it was a fight scene. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he wanted to see us do a chase scene into a fight scene. <laughs> um, okay. Thinking about that now, it's like, why would you ever tell high school kids to do this? Like, that's really <laughs> dangerous. Well, I recall an anecdote uh, where he told you, Justin, can you just make one movie without a gun in it? There's a lot of things he told me. Um, well, that that always stuck out to me because you know you know me like yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's hard for that's me our, to do. that was our yeah that's true we always had guns. <laughs> this is true the cap guns. Anyways, <laughs> uh, he, he's there's a lot. I mean he would challenge me with stuff. Yeah, I guess there wasn't. I don't remember that specific one. But he probably did tell me that there was another specific one where he told me I'd like to hear you make a film that doesn't use movie scores. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I know you. you Obviously, if anyone hasn't realized, Justin has a huge, huge liking of movie scores uh, back then and now. I mean, that hasn't changed. I think right. that probably helped you oh. through a lot of a lot of emotional moments in your life too. I know, I know, it has for me. Movie uh-huh. scores are, are a huge part of my life as well. Oh yeah. But um, so how did you take that? How what did you do in that situation and that he well, said? Oh, that was that was great. I mean, it was it was a challenge. It didn't offend yeah. me or anything. It was it was a challenge. It was one of those. You're right. I I because that was all I listened to. Honestly, that was all I listened to back in the day. I didn't listen yeah. to anything else. Um, which so my knowledge of non movie score music, or if you want to quote unquote call normal music, <laughs> I got spoiled so much by using. <laughs> you know, legit scores. Uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> so and the funny thing is now it's almost impossible to do that today. Even with, even with work, you're not going to get uh, monetized or, right, or, right, right. or, you know, um, get paid to do like, you can't really use. Right. Well, back in the anything. day, and that was the thing. That was what was so great about high school was we didn't care. Right. I didn't, I exactly. wasn't submitting it to film festivals. I was just showing it to my, it was like the high school world. My friends in high school yeah. saw it. Um, yeah. And so I was using scores from Titanic and, you know, Star Wars and uh, War of the Worlds. And what else was there? I, you know, just everything that, you know, the whole collection I had. Oh, Thomas Newman, too. I was so into Thomas Newman as well. Oh, yes. Road to Perdition uh, made many appearances in your Perdition. movies. Oh, yeah. And that was thanks to you because you you lent me that film. I remember you lent me that film because you said, like, there's this one scene at the end that's just all you or something like that and i know you know what scene we're talking i don't think i don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it but there's like a scene where all the sound cuts out and you just hear thomas neiman's piano chords and synthesizers Uh, (laughs) i'm getting chills justin yeah because i freaking love road to perdition and i know and like uh having that connection like there's not a lot of people you can you can ask a lot of people these days hey have you seen road to perdition a lot of people don't know the movie and it's and it's sad because sam mendez mm-hmm. you know i mean he just made 1917 mm-hmm. amazing movie yeah. but like you can go all the way back to like his earlier work like american beauty and oh, road yeah. to perdition and he's been an amazing filmmaker since the beginning uh-huh. you know and uh, and road to perdition to this day is probably my favorite of his movies so- i really do I really do like 1917, but um, I still haven't seen Revolutionary Road. Oh yeah, oh I used to watch that over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. 
Uh, I used to like recite, reenact the, the scenes of them screaming at each other. <laughs> wow. But but you know, it's funny because think about us today, you know, like and 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 if we were if, if we were still doing the same things, like a score like 1917 would would be a movie that we would use in our movies, oh, totally, you know. Totally. Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's scores by Hans Zimmer all used. Yes. Like you imagine, <laughs> like you imagine making a fucking chase scene in the backyard to uh, a, a piece from Interstellar, you know? Like, yeah, oh, then like, we would do that. Oh, we would. We would do it. The docking scene. <laughs> I love that score. So wonderful. The time signature is is yeah. exactly to a second. So it like works yeah. in, in, in tandem with the theme of the film of time and everything. Right. And it's just oh, all these things that goes into the thought process behind, you know, scores and themes and motifs and light motifs and everything. It's just I have so much respect for composers. It, for sure. It blows my mind. Of, he would give us an assignment. One of the assignment was a, a, a global warming PSA. That was one of the assignments. That's the assignment that I was thinking. And I did a 30-minute film mockumentary <laughs> about... Um, oh, I didn't know it was that long. It was, and it's too long. It's, re- <laughs> <laughs> But it was about... And I was, I was, this is when I was experimenting with green screens and like, visual effects. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> I wanted the opening to be a, a kind of like a Forrest Gump reference because Forrest Gump opens with the feather flying around. Yeah, so, you had the leaf. It's going to be a leaf. So I had a yeah. leaf hang on a string and I filmed it in front of a black screen and I just used Luma key to get rid of the black. It's kind of like green screen, but with black. <laughs> um, and I had like a leaf floating around in the beginning and and I had all these green screen effects. And I was messing around with, with colors I would like yeah. do selective colors to change. I remember the too you were you were you were messing with transitions as well because you had you had that notebook that yeah, the main yeah. character would hold and then every time you'd flip a page there was a different person in yeah, front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll never forget uh shout out to your uh your doggy but oh, uh, yeah, you, scout, you yes. flip and scout was there. <laughs> yes, cuz the whole thing was Cause it was supposed to be, I mean, originally it was supposed to be like a 30 second PSA for global warming. 30 seconds. Yeah, no, literally. So and, and you, and you walked out of there and you're like, yeah, okay. 30, 30 minutes. Right. Mr. Reed. And he was like, wait, no, I said seconds. Oh, okay. But that was He's the best gone. part He's about gone. Mr. Reed. He didn't care. <laughs> I know. And, but it was about, it was about these two students, uh, high school students. Cause we were in high school doing a documentary about global warming. So it was, it was another meta thing. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Jonathan Whitehouse is one of the characters, and they have to go with right. these people. There's like this mysterious um, person called the Contact who would give Jonathan all these people to interview about global warming, and they're all these weirdos. One of the characters was afraid of the suns, who was inside of a closet the entire time. Was it a closet? It was a laundry room. Anyways, um, <laughs> but uh, and it was edited together in this like quasi narrative documentary thing, but but totally like a parody on documentaries and. Uh, my friend Arthur Asman at the time, he you know came up with some of the concepts and uh, some of the uh, I, the goofy ideas. <laughs> that was the film that when Mister Reed told me to use non-orchestral music, that was the film that I did okay. that with. And the only other songs I listened to was classic rock, <laughs> <laughs> so I used it was just all classic rock songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember um, 
Mrs. Robinson was a big part of the movie, Mm -hmm. which I find hilarious because then you decided this is what I'm assuming. You're like, okay, fine. So if I can't use scores from movies, I'm going to use music from movies. And you went to probably one of your favorite uh, 60s films, The Graduate, (laughs) and pulled Mrs. Robinson. I was like, well, I'm going to use this then. Do you want to know the truth? I had not seen The Graduate. Wow. Oh, that's surprising. Okay. The year after. Wow. Surprising, actually. That song was on the Forrest Gump soundtrack, I think. Oh. (laughs) So I pulled it from there. I think I pulled a lot of the songs from the Forrest Gump soundtrack. And gotcha. the actual score for that film, the non-music stuff, I I, I did myself actually on the keyboard. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because this See, is after cool. this is after I scored your film. That would make sense because yeah, yeah. I was editing it throughout my last year of high school. So yeah, so after I did your, I felt more confident to do it. So I, that's cool. I didn't realize that. Obviously, by default, every Asian person must learn how to play the piano at some point. <laughs> so um, <laughs> obviously, I had the knowledge to play the piano. So. <laughs> Um, not well <laughs> but I remember at the keyboard I was just playing these same notes over and over again and recording it then I'd play that back and then play different notes again and layer them on top of each other <laughs> hey man that's that's the basic concept of being a, a self-composer so that was like an example of Reed just just giving like one idea and just sparking this entire thing and just letting me run with it uh, and, that's and awesome giving me those suggestions like i would like to hear you do something without orchestras an orchestra thing and yeah forcing me to think differently and do all these other things and... so yeah so like mr reed great guy i i i truly learned a lot from from him and you know through you too seeing how he challenged you and and so on and so forth but it was really mark nistico when he came in i just i was right to him i was like oh my god mark's a filmmaker yeah you know mark was us in our mid-20s you know yes. he wasn't a filmmaker he was trying well, to be a pretty filmmaker much we saw we saw our future yeah we pretty got, much we got a glimpse of our future yeah <laughs> and there was yeah, something true. exciting about that you know yeah it was incredible and and like this 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 guy i mean this guy was a real deal he wasn't a teacher he was doing it yeah and i remember watching all of his his movies and, and all that and, and being inspired by them and asking him how he did this thing how he had to do this transition of this guy walking outside and suddenly he's in this blackness how'd you do that it, it was inspirational it, it, yeah. gave, it gave at least for me like a vision of what i would be doing in several years and it wasn't a bad vision <laughs> yeah no for sure it's great that we were able to meet him and and he influenced both of us in oh, so many yeah. ways it felt cool too i was like i know a filmmaker <laughs> yeah you know moving out of high school um you and i took completely different paths in life from here on mm-hmm. uh we still both uh studied film but at completely different schools in completely different locations yeah. you know you went you went to um school of visual arts in manhattan i went to uh you know a lowly known school five towns college in uh, long island we both took completely different paths we both went to film school. <laughs> we both, yes, yes, we both went to film school, but our lives took completely different turns. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. and on top of that, you know, we made completely different movies and we became both completely different filmmakers mm-hmm. in our own right. And, yeah. uh, and I find that very interesting. Tell me a little bit about how it was finally getting to college. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think you, you were honing your filmmaking style back when you were in high school, but you really started to um, figure out a style while you were in college, at least from what I've right. seen in your work. 
Well, it's weird you mentioned style. I I think you even mentioned this in an interview someone did of you. <laughs> but um, I don't know if I have a style. I don't try to do a style. <laughs> um, but but anyways, but college was, oh gosh, honestly, the best four years of my life. It was so fantastic. And everyone says, oh, film school's stupid. Don't go to film school. You don't need film school. <laughs> and yet, honestly, yeah, you actually probably don't. But for me, it was so important because I'm such a introverted, scared timid person film school forced me to be around people yeah forced me to form the connections but not only that just being in that environment being with all these other creatives and it was just so inspiring and also like the um jealousy too of like oh look how good that kid stuff is i gotta i gotta make mine just as good or better (laughs) maybe i can do just as well but um (laughs) that that was so inspiring and it, it, it was so influential and, and the friends I've made in college, which, you know, I'm still friends with now, and that's it, been helping me out a lot with throughout, you know, all the other films I've made, not only just films, but, in, you know, life in general. <laughs> but uh, film school was so magical. It, it felt like, like a weird dream that yeah. happened. Um, and I, it was finally going to a school to do something that I enjoyed doing. It was weird because I, I, I almost felt like I shouldn't be having fun in college. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just it felt strange and, and easy. While you were in college, a lot of your works revolved around romanticizing film, but also romance in, in general in life. I've always, I've never, well, okay, I'm 30 and I've never dated anybody. And yeah. I'm even going to say this, I'm going to say it, I don't know, I'm still one person, I'm still a virgin. <laughs> and uh, uh, filmmaking has been my escape. It's, it's been the one thing that's held my hand through everything. I remember going through elementary school to middle school to college and whenever I'd tell someone how lonely it was, they'd all say, oh, don't worry, you'll find someone in college. It always led up to college. And <laughs> and when I realized when I, while I was in college that I really wasn't going to meet, I mean, there were certain moments where I thought I had chances, but you know, like anything else, nothing came to fruition. But I, I went to filmmaking. I went there. That's what filled in the emptiness. <laughs> it was filmmaking. And that's when I started to experiment with um, more romantic narratives because I myself was intrigued by it. And I was trying to incorporate that into my films because it's one of those, if I can't experience it, I'll, I'll make a film about it. And, and oh, it was so difficult. And I don't think I hit the mark on any of them. That's why it's great when you have actors that understand what it's actually like <laughs> in a romantic exactly. experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I, you rely, one relies on them too. So what do you do? I would, I would ask, actually talking about Ryan O'Callaghan for production class, we had to film scenes from other movies, which was a lot of, a really fun assignment. And Ryan was one of the actors that came to do it one day. And I got his number and asked him to be in my silent short film. <laughs> but yeah, I would, spend a lot of time with Ryan and I would, I would, you know, do my research and ask him questions like what he does with his girlfriend. That's how I would have to um, figure out, you know, these things and be able to write them. And, you know, having someone who, who was great like him to be able to put on a convincing performance. Um, but obviously you know, throughout college, I, I, I got more comfortable with it. And I think by the time I got to my thesis film, uh, I, I was able to uh, feel more comfortable uh, telling a story and sure. which there was three love stories in that film. <laughs> uh, 
Oh yes. It's, it's interesting how, you know, you mentioned earlier how memories was like you playing with multi-layered storytelling mm-hmm. where then you get all the way to placebo, uh, which is your senior thesis film. And you, you kind of did a similar thing, but it was more grounded. It was yeah. more about, uh, you know, romance and drama rather than this, you know, guy being a drug addict or whatever. <laughs> oh Yeah. Can you give us a brief rundown of how, you know, of how placebo came to be and how that process was? I mean, I think the uh, cliched response, which is actually true, is, you know, it started off as a short and then it just became a feature because I kept on adding more characters. <laughs> so that's that's how it happened. And I didn't know it was going to be my thesis. Uh, until It was funny when I first went into School of Visual Arts, which is the college I went to, when I first got there. I, I knew what I wanted to do for my thesis. I had this idea, another multi-narrative film similar to the one I did in high school. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't continue with that. Um, but I started writing Placebo as a short following this one character. And I started thinking, what would her father be doing while she was doing this? And whatever, you know how it all goes, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, when I decided to do it for my thesis, I think I did because I had already been working on it, for, writing it for so long uh, that it was a, an easy decision. I don't know, but it was trying to because you had to get a um, you had to talk to the thesis committee and they had to approve your project because yeah, because they didn't want you to start doing something wow. that was over ambitious and you couldn't finish it and you wouldn't be able to graduate because you have a finished product. So I had to try to get approved and I kept on submitting a script to this person. They kept on saying, you can't do this. You're not going to be able to do it. I would do the changes they tell me to in the script just to get approval and shoot it the way I originally wanted to anyways. Um, and I, I remember one time too. I uh, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's my rebel story. Rebel uh, I, it was, cause I, had to, I had to get approval <laughs> in order to get equipment out as well. So... Um, and I didn't get approval Jeez. yet. And I was shooting September 1st. So I, I, I did something. I had like a walk around. I had to have some thesis advisor sign something to get me to get the equipment out. Because I was because the big deal was I wanted to shoot it on anamorphic <laughs> um, for this one particular location that I didn't even shoot myself. I had my friend shoot. So I was purely directing that, which was weird. Um, and... Uh, I needed all the equipment from SVA. They didn't have anamorphic lenses, but they had, you know, the uh, other equipment needed, C-stands, flags, all that jazz. Uh, but I had to get approval for that, and I didn't have thesis approval yet. So I, I, I found some way of getting the equipment, and I shot the stuff. Uh, that that went well. Um, and after I finished, my thesis advisor was so angry at me <laughs> because I didn't let him know that I started filming yet. Because uh, it completely slipped my mind. I had so many other things I was dealing with. So he was furious at me for starting the shoot without him knowing. Because he's like, I could have helped you. I could have told you all these things. Um, and I felt so guilty and terrible about it. And I just, just thinking to myself, just why did I have to piss my thesis advisor off? Like, this is awful. I don't even know how I'm going to finish this film now. Uh, but eventually, obviously, we both understood what happened and. I finished the film, <laughs> right? Um, but but yeah, I know it was uh, you know an ensemble film about all these different characters doing their day to day lives, and we see how they connect and all that. And there's three love stories going on, and there's like one love story, which is like the new love story of the 
to people who are newly in the, the honeymoon stage, apparently, you know, pretty much. Then you had this other story about this character who was pretty much me, uh, who <laughs> uh, was a loner weirdo who didn't have anybody and all that stuff. And there was a third one about an older uh, characters who uh, fall for each other and all that stuff. Uh, it was magical. It was the pinnacle of, you know, what I was capable of doing and my enthusiasm for filmmaking. And yeah, there's a lot of stressful moments, but uh, in the end, it was wonderful. And, you know, it was every excuse possible to shoot a film <laughs> and yeah. have that available with all the different locations because I had a shit ton of locations. Um, and it, uh, shooting anamorphic, I only shot one location anamorphic because of money, obviously. <laughs> but uh, everything else is shot on, I think, the Sony F3 and the 5D nice. Mark II. Not that it really matters, but I mean, um, and we shot the subway. It was like, ooh, I'm gonna sneak into the subway and shoot, which no big deal. I do it all the time now, but I yeah. think it's the worst. It's awful. Anyways, uh, <laughs> what I but, also find interesting too is, and and I'm curious how this came about because I mean, I don't the story's escaping me, but the lead from uh, my film that I cast uh, in a fine line, Chance, mm-hmm. uh, David Arkema. Um, he he came on board to be in Placebo as well. Yeah, he was one small character in Placebo. Oh, it's my next film, and he was a bigger one. But uh, yeah, anyways, and after Placebo finished, uh, we had the you know the end of the year festival thing. And, right. Uh, I remember being so disappointed because it was nominated for uh, directing and best film, <laughs> but it didn't win any of them. <laughs> and I was just I was oh, so really? disappointed. And I was thinking to myself, this is all I wanted. Just because what I'm going to do now, like I graduated, nothing. I told you, as I told you, I was just, I did not want to leave college. And this was like the pinnacle. I was like, it was bad. (laughs) Anyways, but, you know, I ended up submitting it to festivals and it actually got into a decent amount of festivals. I didn't think of it as a decent amount back then. But um, now I I look back at it and I was so naive. Uh, But I was actually getting into places and. And I uh, unfortunately just stopped submitting because I wanted to work on something else. Because you know how it's like when you finish a film, you hate it so much and you just want to move on and it's a piece of garbage. So I felt about it. Now, now though, when I look at it, I envy it. I I could watch it now and enjoy it. It's really weird. That's how I am with Fine Line. Yeah. And likewise, I watched Fine Line 2 again and enjoyed it. It's Um, like the movie I look back on and go, why can't I just do that again? (laughs) <laughs> well, money, uh, resources. Well, t- touche. <laughs> no, I, it's a rhetorical question, Justin. A virus. But yeah, no, I, you know, I, I got it. I remember the first festival that I got into was the Calgary International Film Festival. And gotcha. I remember I was, I, that was the first time flying by myself. Um, but I was meeting people there, so it wasn't that scary. It was just, but I hate flying in general, so that was a big deal. <laughs> but I remember getting there. Um, on my own and they had they paid for the flight they they had a driver pick you up from the airport and drive you to the hotel they paid they paid for everything i was so spoiled because no other festival since then ever matched that (laughs) (laughs) i was so spoiled because i was thinking is every film festival like this i mean i was in film festivals prior but this was like the 
biggest festival, and I was assuming that I'd be able to go to more festivals like this now with this film and future films, but little did I know this probably would be the only one. <laughs> but I just remember getting into the hotel room because I was staying with Ryan O'Callaghan, who was, you know, one of the characters in the film, and he didn't arrive yet. And I was in the hotel room by myself, and I just remember standing there and thinking to myself, I'm on the other side of the continent in another country by myself. And that was the first time I had ever done that. And I got so excited. I just jumped up and down on the beds. I just jumped all around. It was just, it was just the most exhilarating <laughs> experience. And my film didn't even screen yet. I was just there for the festival. <laughs> and anyways, that just, that was just a wonderful moment. Um, That's awesome. That uh, will always hold near and dear to my heart. And yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, like, uh, as, as you said, it seems like, uh, both our senior thesis films have been like the highest points of our lives so far. And, uh, it, it's, it's sad to think, but it's almost been 10 years since, since college, was oh, ended, goodness, at I least know. for me, um, it oh, was 2011, yeah. it was 2011 that I finished school. You're done with school. I'm done with school yeah. throughout the last few years. You and I have been just scattering around trying to make films trying to continue with this dream of ours and now we're both 30 we both have touched upon little things here and there together you know Mm -hmm. i made uh i made tiger lily you came on board and did a uh, a few things for that and that was great and we had some really great days doing that and it really brought magic back into my life at oh, least yeah. because mm-hmm. seeing us together again as a director of cinematographer i knew i knew those days going into them oh i'm confident justin knows what he's doing i can do my job we don't have to fret about stupidity i really you know? don't know what i'm doing though just to let you know. <laughs> but you know you know enough that and you're confident when you I'm walk really onto a set well, well you, you as long as i pure confidence <laughs> you play you play a good uh, monotone Asian kid, then Justin. <laughs> I grew up. I, I that's conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so you know, uh, I did Tiger Lily, and mm. then uh, and then I went on to Legacy of Snakes, which was a big passion project for me because I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid Dude, fan. That was so much fun. That was literally yeah. like childhood, just playing. <laughs> it, it really was, and that and that was a big reason why I wanted to do it, just to bring that magic back again. And and Legacy of Snakes is based off the Metal Gear Solid series. If yes, someone doesn't know that the one person that listens to this whole yes. thing. But yeah, and you and I are huge Metal Gear Solid fans, and it was great being able to have you there to be able to be a part of it. I went on to make this passion project, which I, I thought turned out pretty great. I, I, I enjoyed making it, and that's all that I could get out of it. And you were over here kind of doing another passion project, but in a different light. It wasn't a fan film, but it was kind of a fan film of you. You know, like this movie was, in 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 my opinion, is like, this is this is my life sort of mm-hmm. uh, and, and going back to childhood and being able to make a movie based around that concept. So I, I thought that was interesting that you decided to do that. I know you always tend to work with um, a couple of kids, uh, whether from home or that you cast, but it seems like something you like to do mainly because I think you like to um, have that connection to childhood and see a kid that's like, oh my God, this is so cool. We're making a movie. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I had 20 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you know um, so I, uh, you know, for me, from an outsider's perspective, minor motion picture was that for you. You know, you're, it is, it's, it, you're, you're making a film kind of based on your own life in a way. What, what, what it really was was therapy for me because I had just came back from college. And as I told you, I was terrified. I had no idea what I was going to do 
I was in like depression and I was back at home. All I had were these old, which is what I'm doing again now, <laughs> all these old childhood films that I was watching over and over again. And um, Placebo was getting into festivals and I was going to those, but I was like so done with Placebo, my thesis film. I, I wanted to move on and do something else. I just wanted to make a new film so badly. So I uh, wanted to do something with my childhood because I was back at home and nostalgic out. So I wrote a film about kids making a movie. <laughs> and of course that ended up evolving so much more. It took 3.5 years. Production was 3.5 freaking years. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because, you know, everyone works for free and money and all that stuff. But um, it, it was so long, I, I made a short film in between that film. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's why I wasn't sure where minor motion picture actually. Yeah, came. it was it, it was such a long span. Yeah, it was in between so many things. I did a short film called Little Worlds, um, right? In between production of minor motion because there was like a, a lull, it's like winter or something, and no one was around. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. It was just it's a mess. It ended up being a, becoming a mess. It, it was supposed to be this whole philosophical mumble jumble, Terrence and Malick thingy-majiggy with you know yeah, very childhood stuff. Life, right? and then you see the adults and you see her older and it cuts back and forth and you have to see how their lives echo each other and, and how she contemplates love because it was all the stuff i was going through with this postgraduate depression and what the hell am i doing with my life what's the point of anything and i'm so lonely i, I was so free i'm still so freaking lonely that has not changed but at least i had my emotion picture to fill that in but it was there as kind of um I had nothing else going for me and I just needed that. And that was all that there was. That was the only thing I had. And that's why I kept on working on it. And um, I eventually finished it after all the years. And that was also the last film I edited in Final Cut 7. <laughs> um, and after I finished it, I started, you know, Oh, oh! The best part about that film was getting it scored by live orchestra. That was not an orchestra. Sorry, it was a string quartet. <laughs> it was a string quartet, but still live musicians. And that's what I raised like ten thousand dollars on Kickstarter, mainly for. That was the highlight of that film. That's what made that worth it. Uh, I didn't do it myself. Um, the same person that scored placebo scored it, but that was like the goal for that film. Placebo was I wanted to shoot anamorphic. I, I got the shot one shoot one location anamorphic and. Minded motion picture was. I want to have live musicians score this. That was like my big dream, and 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 it happened. And it was such a pinch me moment. That was like the one thing about that film that, at least right now, it's my favorite part of it because everything else is just just painful because it feels like a failure. Because after it finished, um, I was submitting it to all the film festivals, and it's just you know, you get rejected over and over again. But compared to placebo. It was just rejected from everything. The festivals I submitted placebo to rejected this film, <laughs> wow. and it was one of those. Wow, I've gotten worse. And I was like, I was thinking, I gotten so much worse. Like, what is going on? I'm, 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 I'm not evolving. I'm de-evolving, and I felt awful and terrible. And I think we all kind of feel that way, especially after college, because oh, yeah. again, the rugs ripped out from under us. Yes. You know, like really, the dream is cool. We made a film in college that did that did really well in school. Made Maybe it's picked up by somebody. Maybe we're picked up by somebody. And now, boom, we're floated away to the film industry. But it didn't happen for either of us. We're making movies again like we were before college with nothing. 
Yeah, it's poetic. It's poetry. <laughs> it's back to the beginning with a little slightly better equipment. So, so we have to try and overcome that. And, you know, whether you think that the film was bad or not, it's that's not the point. The point is, like, now we have to work ourselves back yeah. up to, like, how can I do this without school? And that's that's what I've been trying to figure and out my much resources. Since. Yeah. Well, the film is online to watch all of it for free. So anyone can watch it and tell me how terrible it is if they want. But it's on Vimeo. Uh, there's also the YouTube channel. If you, if you YouTube mind a motion picture, that's where I'm posting all the uh, childhood films I've been digitizing. <laughs> I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of Justin's at all, seeing some of those old movies is just is just gold. Oh my gosh. And I, I can't wait. Can't wait to see more of what he posts. And I mean, it's a great pairing with minor motion picture. If you see that movie, it, it's really a love letter to the work that he's that he did when he was a kid. So I mean, seeing both of that together is is pretty cool. So if you're if you're quarantined, <clears throat> which you are, go on a Justin Ho binge. I mean, you could do it. It's all. F- I don't know. We should do that. <laughs> and then we'll do a Ho binge and a Han binge. Yeah. After talking about all these things, um, it's really making me want to go back and uh, start doing the same thing with my old films. We could watch Grey Skies. Uh, <laughs> Grey Skies, for everyone that doesn't know, is a film that uh, that we made literally at the end of, of our high school days. And uh, it it was goofy as all hell, but we, we, we had a lot of fun with it. And It was about robots, man. <laughs> And I was actually the star. I was not the bad was. guy. I was, I was yeah. always the bad guy in your film. <laughs> this one I wasn't. I remember when we shot a mob story, which is like one of probably one of my first films. Justin is like the triad leader and he's <laughs> sniffing flour as if it's Coke. Yeah. I remember I remember every shot of that scene, you were like, look, Matt, please, just whatever you do, don't my mom can't see this. And I was like, okay, Justin, no, no problem. <laughs> So, I mean, that's Justin Ho in a nutshell. Um, Justin, can you just, uh, before you go, um, a little bit of like, you know, what is what is life like for you now? What are your aspirations going forward? I, I actually been writing a lot more. Actually, the great thing about the failure of Minor Motion Picture was that uh, it taught me so much. It formed the foundation, really, that helped me learn, you know, a lot more about writing the story structure and read books on it since and took a class and online course oh it was a legit actually because uh, minor motion picture for some reason won best film at the soho film festival because i was so depressed about it like i got into this festival and it won and it blew my mind and for like a week i was happy and then that faded because it kept on getting rejected even further and they all said like once your film gets wins an award all festivals are gonna want it not this that was not the case at least not with my motion picture. When it won that award, it came with like a free writing class in the city. So that, that was very helpful. Um, oh, cool. And so I've been writing, actually. I wrote a, uh, a sci-fi film. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say what it's about because I don't want to spoil it. But I don't even know if it's ever going to get made. For those of you who don't know, I'm the overly ambitious one that tries to make movies that I definitely can't afford to make right now. Whereas Justin's a little more grounded. So hearing that you are writing a sci-fi film is actually uh, I mean, it's very finished. intriguing. It's, it's, I think I sent it to you. But I mean, it's um, it's definitely, I can't do it now. I'll just say it, it opens up with a house on fire. <laughs> so uh, it was actually a really strange experience because it was the first time I wrote something without giving myself limitations. Because I always write with limitations of what I can do. Because for right. me, it's if I can't film it, what's the point? And I don't see any, it's hard for me to continue. But it was fascinating doing just writing this film and not giving a shit. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's interesting that uh, the, came, the 
came about after you took this class. It's almost like you needed that to find. Well, I, I had the idea. I was writing it prior to the class. The class was just really okay. helpful. But I, I actually have been writing another one now, which is more grounded. That's uh, actually a music film, <laughs> not a musical, <laughs> but something akin to Begin Again Once or uh, Sing Street. I don't know if you've seen any of those. I have not even heard of any of those films. Oh, they're all John Carney films. He's an Irish director. Uh, oh. Anyways, they're all like music films that a lot of people like to call musicals, but they're not really musicals because the music isn't really what drives the whatever. I mean, it is. The music's really important in those films, but uh, it, it doesn't advance the plot so much in a sense as you know what a musical would do. Um, but uh, I, I've always wanted to do a musical my entire life. Since, for, since I was a kid, except it was one of those, I, you can't, I don't know how to write songs. <laughs> um, and I remember freshman year in college too, I was shooting a film over the summer that was supposed to be like a romantic drama thing. And I, there was a moment I wanted to turn that into a musical, but I didn't know how to write songs, so that didn't happen. Um, so right now it's, there's a friend of mine who has songs he's written and I've been talking with them. So uh, I wrote awesome. the script and I'll have his songs in it and hopefully he'll write some stuff. But this this one is more realistic to actually hopefully happen within the next few years, hopefully. And things are really difficult right now for me with emotionally. Um, you know, I'm just very, very lonely and uh, very difficult to find any happiness with a lot of things. Um, I do a lot of escapism with movies, obviously, watching movies and video games. Um, yeah, I, I've been replaying Ocarina of Time, which has been fantastic. Uh, is that where? Is that why uh, recently you post that old little clip of you? Yeah, it's the Deku stick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was an old video I found of me. I pick up a, a branch and I say, hey, look. It's a Deku stick. Yeah, doing stuff like this, this podcast thing, even if no one hears it, just talking to you and nostalging out about our childhood is really helpful. Because it's really hard now with, you know, the quarantining. It's, it's just even worse. Uh, even though I'm always introverted regardless, and my lifestyle really hasn't changed much, but it, it's still just it's difficult. Um, but um, filmmaking is still holding me together. That's what I'm up to. That's uh, still trying to do the thing, even though it's hard. But there's really nothing else for me to look forward to. Uh, I mean, I do editing jobs. Uh, I've been editing a concert film for uh, D. Snyder. I don't know if you know D. Yeah, Snyder. Cool, yeah. And we're not going to take it. Twisted Sister, though, right? Twisted Sister. Um, I've been doing that these past two months. Which has been great awesome. because I got to stay inside anyways. Uh, but after this job is finished, you know, uh, hopefully find another editing job. But editing mostly now because I don't like production anymore. And it's just, as you know, it's so stressful. And um, it is. Unless you're working on your own thing, obviously, you know, it's, it's not fun. Um, and. Well, nice. even that can be very stressful. I mean, with the oh, film yeah. that, with the film I just did the proof of concept for, uh, right. Generation Hack. I mean, granted, it was exhilarating, but once it was over, I was like, "Thank God, yeah. this is over." Oh, yeah, likewise, <laughs> likewise. I mean, I did also recently do shorts 
They were great. One of them's in festivals now. It's going around. It's actually getting into festivals, which is ironic because I really hated it when I finished it. <laughs> that 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 happens, and you know it. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, this film that's been going around, I mean, it hasn't been going around that much, but it's been going around more than minor motion picture. That's for sure. So I'm happy about that. Uh, it's called Speed Run. And it's it's pretty much it's a sci-fi actually I guess <laughs> um, it's about um, a a guy that likes this girl in the, this office he works at, and um, his friend tells him about this virtual reality game he could play, and it pretty much simulates his day to day life. And in this virtual reality game, he uh, he gets to do whatever he wants. So of course, he starts to date that girl. And anyways. Hopefully it'll screen somewhere and you can watch it, whoever is listening. <laughs> uh, and for those of you who are interested and do want to watch the film, I think what's so appealing about it and why it's doing so well is because it's literally what we all want. You know, like... 100%. <laughs> it's being able to escape in a world that's like yours, but now you have the ability to do whatever you want in it. You know, like... and And the way that it's structured is very well done. You know, it, it definitely builds to that climax and, uh, and you know, oh, it's... there's plot twists. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, speed run. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, hopefully Justin will make it available again once the festival runs are over. But if you, if you guys follow Justin, he'll keep you in touch with that and uh, tell you where it will be if you want to see it. I don't in... even know where they'd follow me. <laughs> I mean, you, you got the minor motion picture page, Justin's Thank actual you Facebook, you know, uh, all that jazz. I don't know. YouTube. YouTube. You're you're out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there, I guess. But so, anyway... Justin, thank you for being my first guest. Uh, this was awesome being this able to talk nostalgia with you. Yes, it's so great. This was very helpful. So thank you so much for asking me to do this. Just keep swimming, eh? That was Justin Ho and the first episode of the Han Films podcast. Thank you for joining us and keep an eye out for our next episode where we will be joined by my beautiful wife and fellow collaborator, Jackie Han.